Hi, everyone. I'm Vic, and welcome back to Forgive and Forgets podcast. Today, I am not sure how this is going to go. I am struggling today. I am emotionally flatlined, and I vacillated whether to even make a podcast feeling the way I do, but realized that feeling emotionally flatlined is part of caregiving if not on a continual basis, at least a very large part of it. And it's an important topic to talk about. So feeling uncomfortable and holding space for discomfort is what we are going to unpack today. I will also share with you what I do to coexist with being uncomfortable. It takes 25 seconds. It's a three-step process. And it interrupts the heaviness and topsy-turvy overthinking we find ourselves in every day, not only juggling caregiving, but also family, work, or lack thereof, and now COVID. The most important thing to know is that it is the beginning, the inception of heading down a path that leads us to being the 67% statistic who die before their loved one if we don't get a handle on the amount of stress that is put on the body because of our job. We may not be able to do anything about our circumstance, but we can do something to live with the uncomfortable. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Oh, I hope I keep it together because like I said, I'm punchy and compromised. (laughs) So let's see how this goes. First, I want to bring to the table a few subtle things that cause us to emotionally flatline all day or part of the day every day. Now, I know you bring a lot to the table yourself with your experience, and I'm certainly not discounting that at all, but allow me to offer some things that we may not think of. I know I didn't. The first is caregiving never offers conclusion or peace because it's always on shifting sand. Dementia is always in decline and therefore change. How are we supposed to be okay with that? We're not and we're left to manage it or try to. Another subtle disappointment is grief. One example in the early years was watching mom cover up her own deficits because she was trying to hang on to some semblance of her dignity because she knew she was losing it. She knew I knew she was losing it. And to watch her fight was one of the most difficult things on my heart that I've ever witnessed. Our loved one is dying and we're grieving all the time over it. We're watching it happen every day. Lastly, FFTs is another reason we, a subtle reason we feel off balance. I'll keep it clean, but it stands for friggin' first times. (laughs) Friggin' first times. That is all caregiving is, is friggin' first times. We avoid the potholes one day and fall through a different one because what worked yesterday doesn't work today, and we're left to learn a new way, a new direction, a new course of action. Every day is a friggin' first time in managing the moving target of dementia, and I'm not sure there is anything more 
frustrating than that. So those are just a few things that you may not have thought of as to why our mood is so dark at times. I find for me that if I know there's a reason for something, not that I'm happy with the circumstance, my tolerance and acceptance of it allows me to sit with anything a little bit better. Plus, we are not used to knowing it is okay to feel uncomfortable, but if I spell out a few reasons why, including telling you that it's okay to live in discomfort, it helps us hang on to that validation, including keeping the guilts somewhat at bay. So let's get into what to do about this. Awareness of feeling uncomfortable is the first step. I know that sounds like a duh, but how many times do we get up, we're not in the best of moods, but we just go on autopilot? So why is being conscious or aware of our state of mind important? Well, for two reasons. One, being aware automatically weakens it. It's almost like we've turned on a light switch and exposed the stress itself or the ever-feared, the little gremlins. I love how Brene Brown uses that word, and it's perfect. But the little gremlins that uh, have no power when they're exposed and they're naked with no hat. Now, I'm not sliding what we are handling. What I am saying is awareness reduces and loosens its grip. I don't know, do gremlins wear hats? (laughs) Secondly, if we are aware of it on a conscious level... Anyone who crosses our path doesn't have to be at the brunt of it. Our friends, JQ Public, your husband, kids, dogs, we can keep it in check or at least make an effort to keep it in check. Now, the awareness may not be a whole lot, even if it's by a half a percent. And I can hear you saying, well, big deal, Bob. You know, what's the point if it's only an improvement by half a percent? Well, because eventually it does matter. Let's do the math. By the way, that was my rendition of the movie, What About Bob? Richard Dreyfuss, Bill Murray, very fun movie. If you and I start at point zero and one of us is aimed directly forward in a straight line and the other is altered by one or even half a degree and we both set off on our respective directions, how long do you think it will take to have a gap between us? Exactly. Not very long. So a half a percent is actually a lot, especially over time. And you have just begun to move away from fatal consequences or at the very least an agitated mindset. Before moving on to step two, I want to ask you a quick question that will really help us grasp this practice. And that is, Who will I be at the end of this caregiving journey? Or more immediate, what is this caregiving job doing to me? Mom will pass away, and then what? Who will I be? Will I even exist at the end of this journey? Will it kill me? Will it have defeated me? Will I have changed and become unhappy, depressed, or cynical? You know, how fun is that going to be to be around me? Who am I now? Am I fun to be around now or not? Will I be a good egg or a corrupt smelly one? It's an important question. 
Okay, number two, or step two. Number two sounds like we're going to poop. Step two. (laughs) I'm sorry. I am so punchy today. Uh, All right, what we do after we are aware our brain is the tilt-a-whirl at the county fair, and the ride is now interrupted enough for us to, pardon me, enough for us to get off the ride. What do we do? We catch our breath, right? Air is the second thing we do after identifying the discomfort. Breathing, deliberate breathing. We're going to do three breaths together. Easy. This is easy. You can do this. You don't have to climb to the top of a mountaintop in a robe or wear apostolic sandals and chant. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I don't want to get letters. Okay, ready? Inhale through your nose. Hold. Out for four seconds. Push out your breath. Inhale. Hold. Push it out. One more. Hold. Push it out. Okay, stop. Did you hyperventilate? (laughs) I'm kidding. So what you just did is give your mind, we're going back to that half a degree of difference, you gave your mind a quick, quick break. Even if it's for 10 seconds, it's better than staying on the hamster wheel with no break, no rest, nothing to give your mind and even body respite, where the consequence is too much stress and having a stroke. Your mind cannot be ambidextrous. It can't be thinking about your looping thoughts and your breath at the same time. You can try it, but it doesn't, it's like, what is it? You can't whistle when you squeeze your nose. Oh no, that's not true because I can't. (laughs) Focus. Mm, (laughs) Okay. So number three, the last thing that I want you to do immediately following the awareness and the breathing is to look around and see something that you would have missed had you not unplugged and taken three conscious breaths. Is it cloud formations? A house you just passed with a beautiful garden? Is it a sprout of a flower and a crack through concrete? Or is it a beautiful automobile, you know, a classic car, anything, something unique you would have otherwise missed? Or let's break it down even more. Are you glad you can even breathe or take a walk or be alone in your car? Just that acknowledgement alone changes the chemistry in your entire body. You breathed out the heaviness and found one thing to appreciate. This process is only about 25 seconds. You got 25 seconds? The last two things. First, the warning. The mind. The evil mind. The mind will court and sprinkle the wrong kind of fairy dust to lull you back into big time overdrive and overthinking. And it will do it in a nanosecond. It's a habit that we just have to be aware of. What this kind of high-stress thinking really is, is quicksand. 
Think about the metaphor of this. If we find ourselves in quicksand, we have got to stay quiet to have the best chance of surviving. If we struggle to get out of it or struggle while we are in it, most likely we get taken down altogether. Here is a loving suggestion. Try not to be hard on yourself when you find yourself or your mind right back in the boxing ring with your thoughts, punching it out, duking it out. Don't get angry at it. Just be aware it's there and just start over with the exercise. And it takes practice. Hell, I'm not great at it, but I do it. I'm better than I was, but just try. I promise. I promise. This is the difference of better health and survival rather than feeling like an inmate in the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The last thing I want to share is whether we know or do not know the cause of our discomfort. Some are easy to identify, like an argument or something someone said or did that has our minds looping the incident over and over and over again. You know, what could I have said or done differently? That kind of hell. We handle that kind of stressful thinking the same way, but I suggest talking to a close friend or a professional. The other type of asking for help, now this isn't a religious program, I am a recovering Catholic, But I do believe there is something greater than ourselves that is always on our side. And caregiving for me brought this fact home. The benevolence made itself known and obvious because I really, 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 really had a hard time with this job and I needed a heck of a lot of help. My phrasing is, help me walk with this. Or if I'm really in a pickle, I say, I need an answer here. Please help me. Finally, when we've done all these things and we are desperately trying to hang on to that last knot in the rope, sometimes we have to let go. Give it away. Just let it go. I'll be honest. This one I struggle with. I have a hefty ego that wants to hang on at all costs. I like to cuddle with my problem. I want to think I can resolve my problem or resolve it in a way that makes me right because I am always. (laughs) Uh, But this has never worked for me. Hanging on to a problem never works for me. Let me know if it works for you, though. Remember, it is a practice to sit in discomfort. It is not a practice to take the discomfort away. We don't have to feel better. We just need to learn how to walk with it. This three-step process is a seed to be planted that will grow, and it will help you in every element of your life, even outside of caregiving. Caregiving is messy. But there is also a side of caregiving that is of grace. And we will not stay in discomfort forever. Please know that. Hang on to that knowing when you are white-knuckling it. We do find our courage and perseverance, and we do keep going. Be safe, be kind, and I will walk with you again very soon. Bye-bye.